I'm very pleased to see each and every one of you out here in the house of the Lord today and has made that conscious choice and effort to be with us. It's great to see every single one of you, and I'm just pleased to see some old faces and new faces alike. Uh, If you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, which has been our focus text for the last couple weeks and will be for the uh, foreseeable future, uh, we're doing a series called the Fruit of the Spirit Sermon Series, and it takes place in Galatians chapter 22 and 23. And uh, so Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. I'm reading from the uh, um, Christian Standard Bible, so some of those uh, uh, fruits may be a little bit different, but just know that they mean pretty much the same thing. Uh, So we've already uh, gone through the introduction to the fruit of the Spirit. We've gone through love. Uh, Last week, we've gone through joy. And if you'll remember about joy, that joy, just like love, I said is a conscious choice, and it's a conscious decision. Joy is not just an emotion that you feel as a reaction to something that happens in your life. It could be, but ultimately, joy is a choice. You have to choose joy. And one of the biblical definitions for joy is a contentment, being content. When we think of joy, we think of somebody smiling and the eyes sparkling and being all giddy and excited. But really, joy is a contentment. And at the end of each sermon, I give a challenge. And if you'll remember, I gave you the challenge last week regarding joy, that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what comes your way during the week, that you choose joy. Now, God has a sense of humor. Um, You know, I'm all about practicing what I preach. And I do my very best not to be a hypocrite and try try to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And here I am preaching sermons on the fruit of the Spirit, you know, of love. And yeah, sure, I love everybody. You know, joy. Yeah, I'm joyful, you know, and everything like that. And, you know, give the challenge and go home. And I think everything's okay. I did my duty as a pastor. And uh, the Lord says, yeah, you're doing pretty good at the love thing. But uh, you need some work on the joy. And uh, so this past week has been a very extremely difficult, hard week for me. I'm the type of guy that if I get in a car accident... You know, somebody T-bones me or something. It's not a big deal. I've got insurance. The insurance is going to take care of it. Either they're going to repair the car or I'm going to get a a new car. Uh, You know, I'll get a rental for a while. It's not a big deal. It's the little things that get me. If I'm driving to work and I spill my coffee on my scrubs on the way to work, it just ruins my day. You know, it's just it's the little things. And all these little things, one right after another, started coming at me last week. I got stuck in my own driveway and I had to use kitty litter to get out and I was almost late for work, you know? Um, I I get a flipping cold sore coming out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, great, you know? And and when you have a cold sore, it just feels like it's big as a loony, right? And you're just embarrassed because people are gonna think, man, who's this diseased guy right before me? That's gross. You know, and just all these little things that are happening. And and there was a, a computer glitch. I was trying to upload the video on the fruit of joy. 
and there was a, a computer glitch and I wasn't able to upload it and it takes all day to upload a video so I come home from work expecting it to be done and it's not and then there's just so many things I can't name just one right after another and the Lord was saying choose joy choose joy remember you've got to practice what you preach you just can't preach to the congregation and walk away and expect everything to be fine if you need to deal with that you've got to work on joy choose joy and guess what guess guess what my my lovely sympathetic wife thought about it she laughed at me <laughs> she laughed at me i said it's not funny and she's like yeah it is so in every situation, the Lord brought to mind, no matter what I was dealing with, to choose joy. And remembering that joy is not just, woohoo, yay. Joy is contentment. And I remember the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, no matter what state that I find myself in, I've learned to be content. So the Lord was working with me on joy. And I was kind of struggling and debating what I, you know, what I was going to preach. I mean, yeah, I was supposed to preach on peace, but the Lord gave me another sermon. And I'm like, okay, Lord, is that for this week or is that just for the file for the future? And uh, so I got confirmation over and over that, yeah, I gave you that sermon, but that's for another time. So today we're going to talk about peace. So I remember the song that we sung last week. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. One of the verses is, I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. Yeah, I'll never win American Idol. I get that. Uh, so peace. We're, we're talking about peace. And I automatically, when I hear the word peace, I think of somebody in dark John Lennon glasses with long hair and a headband and a tie-dyed shirt saying, yeah, man, peace, man. You know, I think of the hippie movement, peace. But the Greek word for peace is krene. Now, for you young people, I didn't say cray-cray. I said krene, all right? So that's the Greek word for peace is krene. And the Hebrew word for peace is very familiar, and you'll hear me say it every once in a while, shalom. Shalom. So the, the Greek word is uh, peace, quietness, rest, unity. It connotates an understanding of unity and cooperation among two or more people or groups. So that's what, that's what peace is. That's what it means in the Greek. Now, the Hebrew word is, is much deeper. The Hebrew word for peace also means to be complete and to be whole. I like that definition, to be complete and to be whole. And we live in a world and we live in a, in a society where people feel deficient. They feel like they're missing something. They feel like they're incomplete. They feel like they're not all there. They don't have it all together or, or that they're not all with it. And we need peace. We need that completeness. We need that wholeness. And we're never going to find that unless we find it in the Word of God, the written Word of God, and the living Word of God, which is Jesus Christ. Because after all, one of the names for Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So he is peace. So we have peace and quietness, rest, unity, cooperation, completeness, and wholeness. And uh, shalom is, is like aloha in Hawaii. Aloha, you can say hello or goodbye when you say aloha. That's the same with shalom. So when you say shalom, you're saying hello, you're saying goodbye, but at the same time, you're wishing that other person that they be whole, that they be complete, that they be at rest. And on, on Sabbath, they say Shabbat Shalom, have a restful, peaceful, complete Sabbath. May this Sabbath put you back together and make you whole again. 
And so those are some common phrases in Hebrew. Now, we've already uh, gone through love, joy, and peace, but I kind of seen in a mathematical equation in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, if you take love and add joy to love, that pretty much equals peace. Love plus joy equals peace. If you love, then you know God. And if you spend time in his presence, you will experience joy, both of which are cognitive choices and not emotional states, and the result will be peace. Because remember last week when I was talking about joy, how to obtain joy? What, what did Mary do rather than her sister Martha? Martha was a busybody, just being the best hostess Martha Stewart she could be, and her sister Mary decided to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and hear his words. And that's where, and he says, this is her joy, and I'm not going to take it away from her. So joy is being in the presence of God's word, being in the presence of the Lord. So, and the result of which will be peace. So, and if you read the letter of 1 John, 1 John, the biggest theme in 1 John is that God is love. So a lot of times, you know, in this Western world, we define love very differently. You know, people mistake lust for love. But biblically, God is love. He is the very definition of love. And people have got God all wrong. They, they see God as a, as a wrathful God, a, a, a judgmental God. And yeah, God does pronounce judgment. He does pronounce sentence. But it's always fair. It's always just. But the motivation for passing these judgments is love. He does these things out of love, just like my father. You know, I always dreaded to hear those words from my mom. Wait till your father gets home. When she said that, I knew that my number was up. I knew that I was going to, you know, do a little dance with this leather belt that my dad had, right? But he didn't do it because he hated me. He didn't do it because he was angry with, oh, well, he was angry and disappointed with me, but he did it because he loved me, because he, wanted, he didn't want to punish me. He wanted to correct me. And in Hebrews, we also read that God chastises. He corrects those that he loves. And it says that when you're being chastised and being corrected, it's not pleasant at the moment. But afterwards, you know, you will have that completeness and that wholeness and that joy. So that's a, that's a part of love. You know, sometimes there's tough love. So in 1 John, we see that God is love. We see in Acts chapter 13 that the Holy Spirit is joy. And in Isaiah 9, 6, we see that Jesus Christ, Messiah Yeshua, is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So it's as if love, joy, and peace is the Holy Trinity of the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that neat? Because God is love, the Holy Spirit brings joy, and Jesus is our peace. So love, joy, and peace, as I said, is kind of like the Holy Trinity of the fruit of the Spirit. And they all bleed and mingle into one another. You can't really separate the two. You know, and it's just like the Godhead. And I know there's a lot of illustrations out there. There's the egg. There's the, uh, you know, the clover that St. Pat Patrick used. My favorite illustration to describe the Godhead is H2O. H2O. It can come in three different separate forms, but exists simultaneously. All I have to do is go to my freezer, take out an ice cube, sit it down on the table, and just let it sit there. As time passes, there'll be a, a, a pool of water that forms underneath that ice cube as it melts. And as the room temperature heats up that ice cube, there'll be, if you look very closely, a vapor of gas that comes off that ice cube. So, you know, the, the, the liquid, the solid ice, and the gas, guess what? It's all H2O. 
It's all the same thing, but comes in three different forms, but is existing simultaneously all at the same time. So that's kind of like the way love, joy, peace is. It kind of bleeds into one another and exists all at the same time. So if you love, you will also likely be joyful and peaceful. If you're joyful, it brings peace, which makes loving easy. And if you're at peace, there's usually a sense of joy that comes with that peace, and it's easy to receive love. So, and have you noticed during the holidays, that seems to be the greeting? Like you see Christmas cards, and what do the Christmas cards always say? Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. That's, that's kind of the theme. And that's kind of the theme of the new year as well. So, and sometimes growing up in Sunday school and we're learning about the fruit of the Spirit, they, they usually have like a tree with different fruit on it. But really, if you look at the original language of the Greek, the fruit is in the singular. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. And what Paul was get, getting at here in Galatians is I believe he was using the illustration of a pomegranate, which is a fruit that's grown in the Middle East and grown in the area of Israel. And if you have ever seen a pomegranate or sliced it open, inside there's just these little clusters of these little juicy pustules of pomegranate. It's like these it's, it's little juicy things. And so the pomegranate is one, but inside there's those little, many little juicy things that makes up the pomegranate. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is one thing, but inside that fruit of the Spirit is all those little individual things that make up that fruit. And that's kind of what, what the Apostle Paul was getting at. So just like love, just like joy, are cognitive choices. They're choices that we make. They're not just emotions that we feel or that well up or rise up within us. Same as with peace. Boy, I'm almost afraid to finish this sermon because what if God thinks that I have to work on my peace this week? What is that going to mean for me? If, if I had a ringer of a week with joy, what's peace going to bring, right? Psalm 34.14 says, Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. So peace is not just something that we sit around and Om and cross our legs and do this meditation and we hope peace comes our way. Om, give me peace. No, we have to chase after peace. We have to pursue peace. Peace is something that's just not really going to come to us. We've got to seek it out. We've got to search it out. We've got to pursue it. And that word pursue is like chasing after, running after, you know? So turn away from evil, do what is good, and seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 120 verse 7 says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Isn't that the day that we live in? You know, you want to have peace, but it's hard to get on Facebook without some sort of drama going on. How do you pursue peace in that situation? You run away from that which is causing the opposite of peace. So if there's too much drama on Facebook, either unfriend the person, block the friend, or just don't get on it. Scroll by it. Just don't worry about it. That's one way to maintain your peace. Peace. In Judaism, on the Sabbath day, peace is a priority. Peace is actually seen as a commandment. You are commanded to be peaceful. Kind of sounds like a contradiction, right? I command you to be peaceful. But remember again, peace is a choice. So you have to choose peace. And so in the Jewish thinking, if there's anything that, that, causes, that causes you not to be peaceful on the Sabbath day, you're not supposed to engage in it. You're not supposed to pay attention to it. You're not supposed to do it. You're supposed to just get it out of your life. And wouldn't life be so much easier if we lived every day like that? If there's something that is unnecessary, 
that we don't have to deal with that's, that's disturbing our shalom, that's disturbing our peace. We could, we could choose not to participate with it. And sometimes that's what we need to do in order to maintain our peace. So, how is peace obtained? How do we get peace? How do we obtain peace? Again, it's by a conscious choice of one's will. You have to choose peace. So number one, in, in how to obtain peace, number one, is receiving the love of God and accepting his salvation, his Messiah, according to 1 John chapter 4. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody or get a show of hands or anything like that. But those that are Christians, those that are believers, those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior, if you can go back in your memory, go back in your mind to that day you were saved, do you remember what you felt? Do you remember that sensation that you felt that just came upon you out of the blue so strongly out of nowhere? Was it not a sensation and a feeling of peace like you've never known previously in your life? You've never experienced it. You've never felt it. You've never known it before. You're like, whoa, what's this feeling? It seemed like all your problems melted away and you were at peace. For the first time in your life, you were complete. You were whole. You were at peace. You discovered that missing peace in your life. So that's the first way to obtain peace is by accepting Yeshua, Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior. Number two, sitting and soaking up the wisdom at Jesus' feet. How do we do that? By staying in the Word of God. Remember Luke 10, the story of Mary, Mary and Martha that I had brought up previously? You know, Martha was busy entertaining her guest while Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his words. And what did he say? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He also said, I have come to give you life and that you may have it to the full. I've come to give it to you more abundantly. And he told Mary, he said, because she's chosen to listen to me, I'm not going to take that joy away from her. So that's another way that we could obtain peace is staying in the word of God. Proverbs 3.17 says, her. Now her is, is the personification of wisdom. Her. Wisdom's ways are pleasant. And all her paths are peace. All her paths are peace. So how do we gain wisdom? Again, wisdom is found in the word of God. James 3.17 says, But wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving. So we see a connection here between wisdom and peace. So first you have to receive Yeshua, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, you need to sit and soak up his word, and in his word is wisdom, and that's and it's peaceful. And that's how you that's that's two ways to gain peace. Number three, submitting and surrendering to God in loving trust will result in peace. Let me say that again. Submitting and surrendering to God in loving trust will result in peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. Now you put that word perfect in front of peace. It's like a, it's a double, it's like, you know, a double emphasis. Because didn't I say that peace means wholeness and completeness? But guess what the word perfect means? The word perfect also means to be complete. So basically it says you know, to keep your mind depend, uh, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you wholly whole, completely whole, completely at peace. 
for he tr- for it is trusting in you. So surrendering to God, and that's hard for us to do. Because God is a spirit. God is invisible. We can't always see him. Sometimes we were raised in volatile home situations where maybe we were abused by our parents or abused by our siblings or other relatives. And so therefore, it is hard to trust and submit to an authority figure that's called father. But God is love. God is peace. God is joy. So we can trust him. And if we truly open up ourselves and surrender to him, because there's not anything in us that he doesn't know anyway. So if we fully surrender to him, we will experience that peace like we've never experienced before, like we've never known. Because we can trust him. We can depend on him. He's not going to let us down. He's not going to abuse us. He's not going to turn on us. He's not going to hurt us in any way. Because Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord, who are called and according to his purpose. I could have, I could have really messed this week up and said, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are all these little things happening to me? It's all your fault. You're allowing this to happen. I'm supposed to have joy. How can I have joy when you're tormenting me and allowing these little irritations to happen? But no, Romans 8.28 says that all things, even those little irritations that God allows to send my way, all things work together for the good. What was the good of those trials and tribulations I went through this week? The good of those trials and tribulations and irritations was to teach me a lesson to choose joy, to be joyful in those situations. And that's all about surrendering and submitting to God in loving trust. Number four, stay positive. Stay positive. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it says, Don't worry about anything. Every time I read scripture, I get a song. Don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. Right? You know that reggae song? I think it was Bob Marley. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God. There's our word for today. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, here it is. This is what being positive is about. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence, if there's, any, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So how are you going to be at peace? You're going to stay positive. You're going to stay positive. Look, you know, think about what you're listening to on your iPod, what you're streaming on your computer, what you're watching on YouTube, what you're watching on Netflix, what you're reading in the newspapers and in books. Ask yourself, is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it just? Is it honorable? Is it true? Is it commendable? Is it, is it praiseworthy? If it's not, maybe I shouldn't be reading it. I'm actually reading a Christian book uh, that's, you know, it's a good book, but maybe it's not my time to read that book yet because it, it, it's disturbing my peace. It's taking my mind to actually to a dark place. And all they're trying to do is educate me on the end times and educate me on the things that are coming. But all of a sudden you get all these scenarios in your head and you think, oh, the world is a horrible place. Well, you know what? I have to lay that book down right now because I'm not in a place where I could read that book and actually get the right message from it because it's disturbing my peace. So I'm going to leave that alone for, for a little bit and then get back to it later when I'm able to receive what's in that book and take it in a peaceful way instead of a harmful way. So staying positive. Number five, 
Just accept his gift of peace that he offers you. Just accept it. If I was able to pull out a $100 bill out of my wallet, and I would go up to any of you, and I'd say, hey, this is free, no strings attached. All you have to do is take it. Would you take it? Yeah, yeah, I'd take it. If somebody offered me 100 bucks, no strings attached, I'd take it. Yeah, of course you would. Because it's a free gift. And that's what God's peace is. It's free. There's no strings attached to it. He's offering this to you. John 14, 27 says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not the same kind of peace that the world gives. It's a false peace. It's a fake peace. Not as the world give, gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And there's a key right there. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I think it's uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Again, fear is not an emotion. Fear is a spirit. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That's God. Of love, that's God too. And of a sound mind, that's all God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we need to lock in that verse and memorize it because a lot of, there's a lot of fearful things in this world. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled or don't let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So a sixth way you can obtain peace and have peace in your life is simply to obey his word. This goes back to your childhood. If I obey my mom and dad, I'm going to be at peace. If I don't obey my mom and dad, those were the times I didn't have peace in my life. Right? It's just very simple. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a person's ways please the Lord... He even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Isn't that cool? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get enemies in my heart and in my life. If you have any enemies, it says, when a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. I've told this story before, but one way I made peace with an enemy, this kid wanted to beat me up, and I don't even know why, probably because I was a 90-pound wuss soaking wet, and I was just an easy target, Right? So he tried to beat me up one day, and I turned the tables on him. I thought, I, I thought okay, I'm going to play a little psychological warfare. I'm going to give him what he wants. You want to fight? Yeah, yeah, you want to fight? So I threw my jacket down. He threw his down. I threw my book bag down. He threw his down. And then there's that big circle at school that gets around when two people are fighting. And he's, he's man, dancing. He's got his fist up. He's ready. And so I come right up to him, puff my chest out, put my finger right in his nose. And I said, Tony. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you say to me. I love you, and Jesus Christ loves you. And he was like, <laughs> and I made peace with my enemy. And he was my friend after that. And he actually stood up for me when other people tried to pick on me. And I found him recently on Facebook, and he's become a believer too. So that's pretty cool. So it says, when a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Luke 2, 51 and 52. Uh, says Yeshua. Uh, oh, it talks about Yeshua, Jesus being obedient. And it says that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in, the, and in favor with God and man. Because he was obedient to his Father in heaven, because he was obedient to his word, he gained wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. 
he was able to live in peace with people because he was obeying God's word. So number seven, another way to obtain peace is to yield to the discipline of the Lord. Okay, this is the stuff that's not too nice, but it's necessary. Hebrews 12, 11 tells us, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Oh, how true it is. I remember that wooden spoon of my mother. Anybody ever remember the wooden spoon? Yeah. Did, did your mama talk to you the whole time she was giving you the whipping? Mine did. She's like, I thought I told you not to do that. What do you mean by disobey me, young man? Do you understand me? Yes, ma'am. Don't you talk back to me. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. It was painful, right? No discipline seems... Uh, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. It's not like I was saying, ooh, mom, a little more to the left. Yeah. No, it wasn't enjoyable. It was painful. But later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. No pain, no gain, right? That's what they say at the gym. When I'm in the zone and working out, you know, I could feel the little fibers of my muscles tearing and it hurts. And I'm just struggling to get that last rep in. And then I'm sore for the next three days. But yet, I look in the mirror afterwards, a couple days later, I'm like, oh, wow, it's looking nice. You know? So, you know, at first it's, it's painful. It's not enjoyable. No pain, no gain. But later on, however, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's what discipline is. It's training. It's not punishment. It's correction. It's training. So there's a difference there. Oh, well, come to the end of the sermon. I've got that challenge, and I'm almost afraid to say it because what does that mean for me? Am I going to have another crappy week? I don't know. Did you guys have a good week? No, some of you didn't. So some of you had to choose joy like me, right? So maybe if you had a good week, maybe you already learned a lesson of joy. Well, good for you, right? So here we go. Lord, be merciful to me. When something unsettling happens this week, choose to be at peace. Because again, peace, just like joy, just like love, it's a decision. It's a free will conscious decision and effort. You've got to choose peace. And I remember when I was choosing joy. In my mind, I was like, okay, choose joy, choose joy. You know what? I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. I'm not going to let this get to me. No matter how annoying, no matter how annoying it was, no matter I know no. So even though I'm your pastor, I put my pants on the same way you guys do every morning, one leg at a time. I'm nobody special. I bleed red blood just as you. So I know you guys go through troubles, trials, and tribulations. This guy does too. I'm not immune to it. So just because I'm up here preaching a nice flowery sermon and walk away doesn't mean that my job's done. God's like, oh, I guess you need to work on that. So He might pound away at me with peace this week. I don't know. But uh, so do we have a closing hymn? We do. All right. Well, let's have our closing hymn.